You're tuned into the October Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 8. Yeah, all right, so we're good. Hold on. One, two, three. All right, well, I am here today with my good friend Mark. Mark was um, one of the first people I met when I came in and I was banged up and uh, and um, you know he put his hand out um, in, in, in that Wakefield in that Wakefield meeting that I've talked about before and uh, it was uh, what I needed. That was what I needed at that moment and uh, so everybody welcome Mark to the show. Mark <laughs> All right, well, AJ, I'm uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, yeah, I remember I remember when we first met uh, at, at that Wakefield meeting, and uh, I don't I didn't think of you as being banged up, but I just thought of you as a guy that needed some uh, needed some friends and uh, needed some sober friends because um, I remember I remember what it was like for me. And, uh, someone came over and said hello to me, and I hated him for it at the time, so uh, in the end, I ended up loving him for it, but uh, at the time, I hated him for it, and uh, yeah, you've been a part ever since, so uh, great to be here, excited to, excited to, uh, to talk to you today. Nice. I, uh, so your date, it's uh, October... O- yeah, October 15th. 2011. And, uh, yep, that's right. Yeah, yep, yep. so I wrote that down, and I wanted to bring that up. I've had that, and this is, this is um, something I, tr- I try to do. Um, and it comes through being in a small group, which we're going to talk about later on for sure. But um, what I, if I hear somebody's um, date, you know, if I hear an, an anniversary date, I try to jot it down if I can. Because you know why? When that date comes and if I happen to think of that person that day and I, God puts them on my mind and I can drop them a note. It feels so good. It feels good for me, and I know it feels good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had, I had, uh, I had your date down, and it's not like it. And it's funny too. You know, self-admittedly, um, sometimes you know I'm human. Sometimes I do it because it feels good to know that I know somebody's date. But it's it's funny. We were talking about this this morning, and the more you do right things. It's almost like a learning curve where the self-centeredness in that dissipates. No doubt, no doubt that the, uh, uh, the the more right things I do, the easier the next right thing to identify and act on and almost comes naturally to me. Um, but I know that you're good about that anniversary thing. I remember you sent me uh, you sent me a, a anniversary text. I think you were one of the first people um, on October fifteenth of uh, of last year to to send me a text, and that I mean, what what a thing to get! It does. I wake up excited because it's my anniversary, and not even thinking, hey, someone else might reach out to me and even you know compound this joy that I feel that I got here. But you know, over the course of that day, 
I don't know how many, but maybe maybe a dozen texts or calls. And yeah. Like, wow, what a difference. And I do the same thing. I try to put people's anniversary dates on my calendar, on my phone, and I have my phone linked with my with my work um, um, calendar. Yeah. And my assistant will sometimes say to me, hey, um, I don't know who John is, but it's his anniversary today. That's awesome. And so, uh, you know, I, she doesn't know what's going on, and she thinks probably that it's someone's anniversary at work, and I don't let on what's going on. But uh, So I've built in reminders all over the place to make sure I don't get you know, I don't get away from from doing the same thing and congratulating people because I know how much it means to me. So we're on this topic of anniversary, and uh, so what do you think about it? Like, because, like you said, you wake up um, and you're like, "There's a." It's kind of like your birthday for me, but then you hear, and I learn through you and and other people that came before me, and people who I trust, and you know, people who I love that. You got to remember that it's not it's not a special day, you know. Right. So, okay, hmm, how do I balance this? Because it's awesome, like it's my birthday, mm-hmm. and then, eh, not right. that special, kid. Right. Well, I, I think you know, once you get a little bit of time, keeping it in the day becomes a little more automatic. It's a struggle at first, but my first year anniversary. Um, I was so excited about that one year the second time around because uh, I, I have two one-year anniversaries. But uh, I, I, the next day I remember waking up and saying, well, what happens today? You right. Know? Well, what, well, what, what happens? Like, what? So now i got to do this all over again? And no, I don't have to. I just have a day. I just have a day and I keep just having a day. It's That's all i got to worry about. Yeah. And, um, but but thinking about other people, as soon as I start thinking about me and my anniversaries and how much time do I have and what's going on with my time and how am I doing, it's usually the second that I start getting a little squirrely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I start thinking about, hey, who else? How's everybody else doing? Yeah. Um, and I have a bunch of guys that I talk to you know, every single day. Yep. And um, I, I'll call them sometimes with a problem. I don't, I don't even get to my problem. Yeah. I hang up the phone and it's not like I'm saying to myself, oh, geez, I didn't even get a chance to talk about my problem. Yeah. I no longer have a problem. So unbelievable, right? Weird the, how it works. Yeah, they call it, you know, people say that's the magic. You can call it whatever you want. Two things there that I want to talk about. Um, so we'll f- maybe wrap this because uh, there's a lot I want to get to and I want to hear about a little bit about your story and how you got to that day in October. And I want to hear, you mentioned you had two sobriety dates. I want to hear about that. Mm -hmm. Tell me that story about your first, (laughs) how you thought about people's anniversaries when you first came in. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I do. But the, uh, uh, so sitting in a meeting and hearing, uh, you know, from a speaker from the podium talk about how they had three years or 33 years and struggling to wonder how I'm going to get to three months. Right. Uh, I just, it seemed absolutely impossible to me that those things could happen. There was no way that I could even comprehend. And fortunately, I, even, even at three months, I had some people that I was talking to, especially this time around. And I could share with them, you know, maybe I never said, Hey, I don't get how they get to three years. But I would say, what the hell? Three years? Jesus Christ, how the hell? And people would just look at me and smile and laugh and say, you know what? Don't worry about it, buddy. Just focus on today yeah, and you'll be okay. And, you know, and that's what I've done ever since. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, you know, we've heard so many times, gift of desperation, right? But I was desperate. There was nothing. There was nothing that had worked. And if I had tried to join some group, other than AA, say some group that was like a club or something that had an application process or some sort of like committee is going to decide if I make membership, there's no way that me in that state, I would have been allowed to join any group. But AA, I decide if I belong there. And what a gift. What a gift because yeah, on you. I needed it. Yeah. So there was no decision to make. I was, I was a part of 
even when I didn't want to be a part of mm. because I needed that because it was the only thing that I could cling to because every solution to every problem was the same for me until I found the program. And that was pick up a drink. Right. Yeah. The solution to a dead end. Right. Ah, yep. Wrong Gets door. Nowhere. Gets it's like, nowhere. <laughs> let's make a deal. <laughs> Three goats. Right. Drink, <laughs> drink and feel like crap. And then yeah. wonder why I felt like crap. Uh, have shame and guilt and, and somehow believe that the solution to that shame and guilt and the anxiety that I was feeling was to do it over again. Oh, I know. I know the rat race in our head. So how did we get there? So tell me if you don't mind, you know, give me, give it to a little bit, just a little bit about your back. Like I like to hear like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was, I was fortunate. I grew up in a, in a house where, you know, there were like a loving home, two great parents, um, people, you know, people all around me, a yeah. family that was sort of an extended family. My grandparents lived with me, mm. uh, for the winter, um, you know, most of the time that I was growing up and, uh, uh, my grandfather was an active alcoholic and, um, but he and I were really tight. I was the only grandson hmm. and, um, he and I were really tight and I don't, I'm not blaming him. No. This is just the, my first exposure to alcoholism was through him. And, um, uh, I can remember there was this little part of the house where, you know, the booze was kept and it was kind of a little bit off. They called it the pantry. I'm not sure it really was a pantry, but he would go in there to fix his drinks and I'd, I loved to be by his side and I'd follow him in. I remember as a, you know, five, six year old kid, he'd pour and he had a, a, a what he called the jigger, which was just a little, the little shot thing. Yeah. A little shot thing. Yeah. And he'd pour it into the glass and he'd often do one for himself. Sure. And <laughs> whenever he did that, he'd say, that one was just for me and we don't tell anybody about that. <laughs> And I loved the fact that I had a little secret with my granddad. Like wow. it made me feel like we had this closeness and this bond. Wow. And I think I really learned something about alcohol, whether it was a good lesson or not. I think I learned that it could be some sort of camaraderie building device. That's so interesting. And, and that was at four, five, six years old. Yeah, because it ended up being that. Yeah, and that's what, just with my granddad, you know, like we had this special little secret and just a cool thing that made me feel good before I was even drinking, it made me feel good. You know, like, so in some ways, before I even started drinking, I already wasn't a social drinker. Hmm. Like, you know, the average person is not saying, I'm close cause my, with my granddad because I saw him take a shot and we don't talk about that. Right. This one's for me doesn't come out of a <laughs> yeah, normal yeah, drink. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I had a weird, I mean, I had a weird relationship with alcohol before I started even drinking. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mean, things like I was, I ran with a pack of, you know, we all drank like that. And it was not a problem. We um, being your me friends. Me and my buddies. Yeah. yeah. When I got older, um, you know, high school, uh, college, um, you know, partied more than the average, but uh, uh, people called us wild, uh, nutty, um, fun. But I got, you know, good grades, did well in school, did some sports, played an instrument. Like I was pretty well rounded and stayed out of trouble. I just you know? learned that you were a saxophone player. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I have the sax over here. I'm going to oh, break it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm scared. I heard that. I'm going to hear you play sometime. Yeah, I'm not. I uh, actually, um, oh. I pick it up here and there, yeah. but uh, for a long time I played it all the time. But, but you were doing normal it. teenage. Yeah, yeah you normal, were doing. Sure. Normal, just like it wasn't, booze wasn't a problem. It was probably calling more shots than than I realized but those shots weren't getting me in trouble yet. Yeah, they weren't. Re they weren't. They were. They were minor blows that weren't causing consequences yet. Yeah, I was. I was feeling a part of, because everybody around me was doing that. You know, we'd have, you know, at college we'd have parties and hundreds of people would come and drink and no drug just the way I did. Yeah. So it seemed normal. Right. Yeah. Until, until it didn't. You know, and. Uh, um, I continued like that for, you know, I, of course, like I, I got a job 
where even the people that I worked with were drinking and drugging and using booze in a different way. Like, you know, if you had a great week at work, well, then your weekend was going to be twice as devastating and your Monday morning three times as hard. Yep. If you didn't do so well, uh, well, that was another reason to go out and get into all that trouble. Yeah. You know, and then I started traveling. Mm. Oh, traveling. Uncorked it. Oh, it really, that's when the genie came out of the bottle. It really took off for me. Tell me about that a little bit. So, you know, heading to the airport, um, that's, that was like, you know, from the time that I left my house to the time I returned to my house, it was about the consumption of booze, not about the reason that I was traveling, not about going to see the client or the office or the employees or whatever reason I was doing. But then again, you know, I could convince myself that everything was fine. I mean, I kept that job for 20 years and it wasn't alcoholism that made me leave there. You know, like I could convince myself that everything was fine. But when I look back, like the sacrifices, I mean, I can, I can point to a bunch of things that I lost along the way, but the biggest loss and, and, you know, like they say, the first thing you get back, but the biggest loss was relationships. Mm. I didn't have solid, I, I had what I thought was that camaraderie that I learned way back with my granddad, right? Like I thought, I, hey, we're not going to tell anybody that we were out till 3 a.m. Yeah. and we're going to show up at this meeting and we're going to be fine. Yep. You learned to keep secrets. Yeah. And and that was a bonding moment, you know, sometimes and that build camaraderie. But like, And as a grandson, how do you think that's wrong? I mean, you look up to your grand, I mean, that was what... What else would you think? You learned this as a kid from your granddad. Yeah, I yes. But if if I hadn't learned that, I still think I'd be here on oh, this podcast. Like it is no something doubt. in me. I'm not, not saying yep, that. Yep. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that sort of nudge, you know, that gave you like it gave you some um a little bit of a blueprint early on as to okay, maybe maybe this this blueprint works for me. Yeah. In life. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that it was, it was, you know, I think of it this way, AJ, that I am not, I guess I'm a weak person, you know, and, and whenever I'm in trouble, I reach for the thing that is closest to support me, hmm. give me belief and all the things that were closest before I got sober were the things that would kill me. Hmm. And now that I'm sober, I keep the program, the fellowship, I keep that as close as I possibly can. That's the closest thing for me. And when I'm in trouble now, it's the first thing I reach for. So that took me a long time to even figure out that I needed that. It took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was probably something I figured out like today. (laughs) Like <laughs> just talking about it now, but, but you know, That's like, good. like it's something that, that has developed over time and I know that I have. Yeah. And, um, That's full surrender and giving yourself up totally. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the having the fellowship, believing in a higher power, taking suggestions, mm. realizing that my first thoughts are not good ones. That's right. Um, you know, the whole will thing, man, I mean, I still struggle with that. Yeah. I'll hand something over. Oh, you know, I'll do what everyone suggests. I'll, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll be struggling with something. And then there's an outcome that is maybe not exactly ideal according to Mark, but pretty, pretty freaking good. Yeah. I want to own that again. Yeah. I want to take it back. I want to like, look what I did. And so often things that happen in my life have nothing to do with me, but everything to do with me just letting, letting go. Mm. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I know, I know. And mm, it's so beneficial, but so tough to learn. And that's where the fellowship, I mean, people aren't teaching this on the streets. So, um, 
you're in college, you're doing your thing, you get a job, you're you're rewarding yourself, you're doing well, you're traveling now, and then things are getting nasty. Yeah, so I keep having these moments where I find myself like beyond settling. I am I am doing things that there's no way that that guy that was brought up in that loving household is even considering. And I am at you know what what I think from the outside no one can see all the difficulties that Mark has, so things are okay. I've got myself convinced that things are okay. But there really isn't one person in my life with whom I'm being completely honest, including myself. Um, I'm having difficulties all the time. I've started sneaking drinks, and I'm a f- oh, I'm so freaking good at that. Um, you know, like like buying, um, like buying coffee and emptying the coffee out of the can, putting whiskey in the can and a Wait. clean listen and a clean brand new paintbrush and that way people might and leaving it in my basement on the workbench so that people might think that you know <laughs> hey he's cleaning his paintbrushes out and paint thinner and meanwhile I'm going down and just taking the brush out and taking that big gulps off so, that drink. you're so smart. <laughs> it's not smart. <laughs> that is not smart. That like I mean, you know what? I think that's might be the only the second time I've revealed that. Um I that one never got caught. That's but, uh, that great. Was, <laughs> oh my god. Wow. The, you know, the if anybody's listening to this do. and they're thinking about how they can hide, don't try that. It was not a good one. Wow. That's the first. That yeah. No, thank you for sharing. Obviously, but all, I mean, all that stuff. Like, and like, you know what? Look how like, hard I was working. To, look right. how hard I was working to drink the way I wanted to drink, and then at the end, it wasn't the way I wanted to drink. You know, and then when when I got sober, AJ, I remember. Um, so yeah, I mentioned before that I had you know, two one year anniversaries. So the first time that I got sober, I went to meetings, and I made sure that nobody talked to me that I didn't form any relationships, that I didn't have any bonds. And it was it was hard. I mean, I can't wait in line for a coffee without striking up a conversation with someone normally. Right. And here I was, I'm going to these meetings and I, I'm gonna do everything I can to not build relationships. Did you go on your own or were you ordered to go the first um, time? I went on my own. I went on my own and it really, I went because I just waited. I just wanted things to die down a little bit, take the heat off. Yep, I was I was ready to go back out there from the second that I got there. Oh, that's got to be so and, brutal. Um, you know, things did get better in my life too. Yeah, Putting the booze down, things got better. Yeah, um, I wasn't this. I didn't have much peace of mind. No, I was going to say you got to be dying inside, right? Yeah, I didn't have much. And then I stopped going to meetings, but stayed sober. I'm not sure exactly how long, but I stayed away from a drink for probably. Oh God! Probably a year without going to any meetings, Oof. and um, and things got better, like on the surface. Yeah, on the surface, they looked I would, better. I was, I was probably not a very happy guy. Um, I remember, you know, anger was always right below the surface. Um, but then, of course, you know that devolved into, hey, you know what? I can pick up a drink. What was I thinking? Mm. And this time, I'll have rules. <laughs> and I created all these rules. I don't even remember what they are now, but but you know, I'm only going to drink after five, or I'm, I'm only going to drink beer. Or uh, one of them that I tried that I thought was a pretty good idea at the time, which I realized now is absolutely ridiculous. But I'm only going. I'm going to drink, but but I'm never going to let anybody see me drink. Hmm. And so all the drinking was sneaking. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. And uh, so if I ever was stinking of booze or uh slurring or intoxicated in any way of course i had to lie about it i mean i, I think my, in some ways my my job one of the reasons i stayed there for 20 years is i was surrounded by i mean i loved the place i loved the people it was great i don't mean to say anything negative about no, that you're not. Great nobody experience. knows you. yeah it's all but good there were there were people there who did the same things i did and so it didn't stand out. Right. And um, 
That's how yeah, smart the, we are. Yeah, yeah it's like were, a chameleon. Hundreds of people at this company, yet, of course, I gravitated to the five or six that were behaving that way. But, you know, all my, I would say that some of my friend decisions, um, college, high school, um, many of those people I'm very, very tight with still to this sure. day. But some of them I'm not. Yep. And I would say some of those that I'm not um, are people that it was just okay to behave that way around. And, um, you know, they got something out of it, and so did I, which is, hey, we both look like we're okay when we're standing beside each other, but separate us, and maybe one of us stands out. Yeah, same. Um, I want to get. I want to hear about still how you got to that day in October. I got this quote here from a big blue book. Okay, I think I know that book. And it says... Uh, this is on page, I forget, chapter two, there is a solution. Yet let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting what? Tight in the wrong moments. I know that line. I read that once twice. And that, that, that reminds me of you because you've, you've, you've said that before and, uh, and it's so true, man. He nailed it in this yep. book. Like yep. he... So many times, you know. So many times, it's I mean, right the, the between one the that eyes. I read just recently, that I uh, I keep thinking about um, the alcohol. There is righteous anger is a luxury the alcoholic cannot afford. And man, oh man, like that I is let that one sizzle. Yeah. So righteous anger. So if I'm if I'm angry about something, and I believe that hey, I have a right to be angry. Like that, if I'm if I'm angry, I'm wrong. You know, if I'm angry, I'm wrong. And if I'm complaining, I'm wrong. And those are things that, you know, that's just kind of my interpretation of stuff that I've read in the big book. And um, and that's not, that's so true. Like it's, but that's a good way of living. That's a right way of living. I bought this shirt. My kids thought I was crazy. Read what that shirt says. If you have to choose between being kind and being right, Choose being kind, and you will always be right. Yeah, right. Yep. But I mean, yep. so great, yeah, I can wear a shirt. I can, I can. But it's, I mean, put put that into action. You know, see how tough that is. Right. See, you know, wire your brain to do that consistently. There's a good job for you. Yep. I wish it was as easy as just putting on a shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, could have saved a lot of time on the weekends and yeah. sitting in church basements. And but it's, but that's you know weeknights. So. um and we can edit this. Are you comfortable with that, Mike, where it is? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if and when did you notice other people drank normally? Did you? Was there a point where you realized that other pe- people drank normally? Yeah, but that was after I got sober. Yeah. That was not while I was active. Yeah, no. Like going to a wedding yeah, um, and seeing that there was maybe only one or two people who were, you know, I'll be nice and say overserved. Yeah. Um, playing golf. Because I've been a golfer for I don't know twenty twenty five years, and like I just thought everybody on the golf course was drinking. I, was, I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. I would I would buy golf bags based upon whether or not there was room for beers. And you know, like this is just one more thing I don't have to worry about. And uh, um, you know, I just you, you asked about you know what got me to October fifteenth. Yes, and, yes. Um, I just want to comment on that because I, I got a couple thoughts that. So when I, when I when I stopped drinking this time, a close friend of mine said to me, "How come? What happened?" And yeah, I think that's the way. Something that this guy doesn't belong in the program. He's fine. He's got a, you know, he likes to have his beers here and there, but he knows when to stop and he can put the brakes on. And um, he's not he's not like me, right? So. I get that question. I understand that question that for him, for him to stop drinking, there would have to be, can you believe what happened? For me to stop drinking, there were a thousand reasons. Some of them absolutely tiny and ridiculous, like I am sick of having empties in my car. Some of them big and monumental, like I want to have a good relationship with my wife and my family and be a good family guy and, uh, you know, be, be, um, 
be able to be employed and have faith in myself and not worry about whether or not I'm going to make it home tonight. Like those are big reasons, right? But every single one of them is not something I miss. I don't look back and say, you know, every once in a while I get really sentimental about hearing empties rattle around in my back seat. Right. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Mm-mm. Um, you know, and, and AJ, you talked about um, when, you know, when you first came around and how, how we, we met, um, there's something that, that I just want to comment on that I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, we talked in a meeting, we talked once about the big book. And, you know, you were like, you know, I don't really get it. And um, I didn't, I don't know if I had a lot of answers about why, it, what it was and what it could do. And I think I just said something like, you know, it's like, a, it's almost like the, the, the textbook for AA. And um, that week, it was, it was right around Christmas time, maybe 2012 or something. Yeah, it was an evening. You called me. I, w- I have this written down. Do Go you? Ahead. Yes, yeah. I do. So you called me and you were like, so do you have a few minutes? And I was like, sure, sure. I I remember it was Christmas because I was headed to the mall to go do some shopping. And I remember sitting in the mall parking lot on the phone with you talking. And you were like, this stuff is blowing my mind. You know, and I'd I'd had a similar experience, but it had been, I don't know, nine, 12 months before that. And... um, some of it I was a little fuzzy, but as soon as you started explaining like why it was blowing your mind, I remember being right there with you and the two of us, I don't know how long we talked, you know, 15, 20 minutes or something, but we, did. we were just going on about, and then they said this, and then they said that, that and how is, about this? Dude, that is so cool, man. I really appreciate that. Like, I've thought about that. I didn't, and you know, I didn't, and it's cool that we can have that same connection forever now because right. now we've connected. Yeah, I was, and I'll just tell it i mean i was on break it was like december i worked for fedex it was crazy i got my break at 5 30 I, I was on algonquin road i remember where <laughs> remember i was were, i know where i was too it's and it, uh, we talked about the jaywalker we talked oh, yeah, about yeah, yep, we yep. talked about the allergy was the thing because yep. the allergy oh, was yeah. the thing that blew my yep. mind and um and yeah I, I mean and and there was that call um there was um a call I made to you, it was it was crazy. It was like, and I'm fuzzy too about the beginning. I mean, the first, right, you know, the course. first year, was I think crazy. I think everybody is right. But another time, I called you in Disney World, and 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 you picked up. You know, I'm like, I, I needed to, I needed answers. <laughs> <laughs> and I called you. You were like, hold on, I'm ducking behind Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see, eat in a minute. See, that's what fried chicken <laughs> waiting for me. I mean, that's the thing about about this program. Yeah. Like I'm walking through Disney with my family and my phone rings and it's you and I like just about anybody else calls and I'm like I'm in Disney like come on but someone from the program calls and it's like I got to take this. And you know yeah. the thing is that it's 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 okay. I got to be careful here because I'm not sure I completely agree with this the way I'm going to say it but it's okay to be greedy in AA. And what I mean is greedy with your sobriety, greedy with your time. Like taking that call from you at Disney with my family, it probably, although my family was probably like, what the hell is he doing talking on the phone in Disney World? It probably (laughs) made that time for my family more positive because maybe I would have been lashing out or a little bit distracted or, you know, ha- carrying something around that I didn't need to be. No doubt. But, but having that moment where I just get relief. Yeah. You know, talking to another alcoholic, even if I'm just going, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's relief for me. Gary taught me that because I, my sponsor, you know, you know, I know of Gary. course, and, uh, I used to freak out calling him like, oh, I got to lay this on him now. And and he slowly taught me, AJ, and he would say it almost every time. AJ, man, you just like that was you just helped me as much, if not more than I helped you. Right. And I believed him. Yep. That's true. I believed him. So do you want to uh, do you care to tell about the very end, like on uh, October, like how that came down? Is there a, like a story or is it yeah, just you know, kind of there isn't like a big um Oh yeah, this happened. Yeah. And I hit this jackpot. Um, I was just 
I was beaten down. Mm. I was a beaten man. Mm. There was a family party, and I kept going down to the basement and sneaking drinks, and supposedly I wasn't drinking, but I was. And, um, you know, no one even, like, I didn't make an ass of myself that night. I didn't, you know, I didn't fall down a set of stairs. I didn't upset a whole group of people, but I'd done all that stuff already. I didn't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I share this in meetings a lot that alcohol gives me a crystal ball. I know exactly what's going to happen when I pick up a drink. I know exactly what's going to happen. And it's not going to end well. But still, something inside of me, even though I know that, it's not like a question. It's not something I'm wondering about. I know that to be true. I will pick up a drink again if I start to believe that it's okay. And the only way I'm going to start to believe that it's okay is if I stop going to meetings. And, you know, that's why I go to meetings. And, you know, speaking of Gary, um, you know, someone who, who is incredibly important to my sobriety, um, you know, he, he likes this because when, when, I've shared this at meetings too. And he always says, I love that analogy, but I like vocabulary tests in high school. Right. So, you get this list of 20 words at the beginning of the week, and on Friday you're going to have a test on I those 20 them. words. Oof. Yikes. You're right. And, you know, there's 20 words, maybe maybe 15 of them, you're never, ever going to use them mm-hmm. again. Five of them you might know. and But for that test on Friday, you've got to know them all. And if I stop going to meetings, I don't remember the words. I'm not going to use them. That's my study and so that I can continue to have the knowledge that is required to ace that test when it comes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like the same. I could do it in high school. I could study those words and I could get ready and I could get that test nailed. But if I don't put the work in, I'm going to fail that test. Mm. And, you know, it isn't that simple. This program isn't that simple. But that's if I can do it then, I can do it today. And like that just gives me confidence for some reason. Mm. So for somebody who's listening who can identify with you um, in stopping drinking and then going to meetings and not wanting to be there and still not drinking and everything you just told me, if somebody could I. If somebody's listening to you who I can identify, what can you tell them about what got you back and stopped for good and, and working on your um, recovery? Yeah, so the the first time I walked back into a meeting was actually um, a Saturday meeting in uh, North Reading. And even though I said before that I made sure I knew nobody, somebody recognized me. And she was gr- the greeter that day. And she, as I walked in, in a real wise-ass way, she spun me around and looked at my back and said, ah, just what I thought, covered with arrows, it's still not safe out there. Oh. And, oh, I mean, I I almost ran out of the room. I I didn't want to hear that. That that really, it kind of pissed me off. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down in my seat and, you know, then she came over and gave me a hug. She introduced me to some other people. Um, I walk into that, I I was there this morning. I came from that meeting before I came here. I walk into that room today, AJ. uh, I don't know how many people I know there, maybe 50, 60. And I'm happy to see every single one of them. A lot of them I know by name. A lot of them I know by face only. A lot of them I can tell you what their message is and what their, you know, what their, their situation was when they were active because I've heard them share from the podium before, but I might not be able to tell you where they live. Right. You know, I like, I know details about these people and knowing these details for some reason, it makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, the important stuff. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And if you ever needed a ride at two in the morning, you could probably call any one of those. I could probably call any one of those people. So you continued to go, you, you, um, and then you met a couple of these guys, Gary and John. Yeah. So, and- uh, so the, uh, we talked about that Wakefield meeting on Sunday morning. So I used to go to that and, um, my sponsor at the time had told me, he said, he's actually never been to that meeting. Um, 
uh, he's not my sponsor anymore, but uh, he had said, you know what's good is to find a newcomer's meeting because then you can share without fear. So you can talk about how much your sponsor pisses you off um, and find one that I don't go to because I started asking him, do you go to any? And he said, find one that I don't go to. Like then you can talk about stuff and you can get other input. That's so, wow, that's so interesting. I never heard that. So your sponsor said find other meetings that I'm not at. Yep. That's so smart. That's so like wise and humbling. Humble. Like what a humble guy. I mean something else that he said to me that I still try to do. I'm not as good about this, but I still do it once in a while. He said that he goes to meetings that he's never been to. Still occasionally, this guy, I don't know, he's probably 35, 36 years now, but he goes to meetings that he's never been to because he still gets that feeling that he's a newcomer when he puts his hand on the doorknob to walk in the door. That's cool. And um, like I, I can relate to that. Yeah. You know, go to all these meetings and then go to one I've never been to before and I still have that weird, that weird ego-filled thought, are these people going to know that I have some time? They better know, right? You know, <laughs> which is crazy, right? It like, is. who cares? Yep. Who cares? But, uh, but, anyways, I walked into that meeting on Sunday morning, and um, I sh- I heard what they said that newcomers are encouraged to share, and I showed up for I, you know, once you hit a year, you, you got to pass. I think you know the first year that I went there, I probably shared about forty five times. Like, I just had. I needed to get it all out, and I knew the first time I shared, I was scared on my mind, but how much better I felt afterwards. The second time, it got even better. Yeah. And by the 10th time, I was like, man, this feels good when I leave here. I know it. And so from sharing, this weird thing happened. It, like, People started to know my name. People started to get to know me. And when John and Gary were sitting having a cup of coffee talking about, hey, maybe we'll get a meeting going, they thought to themselves, let's ask that guy, Mark, if he wants to join. Yep. And when they asked me, I, my, my, my first thought was, so this is going to be on Thursday nights. Okay, like every Thursday night? Like how long are you planning on this lasting? Because I'm like, I'm a busy guy, you know? Like I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I got the time for this. And um, I mean, it's, it's best friends of my life. That meeting is, uh, I just want to say quick, it's so like that concept is great. Like if anybody's listening who, I don't know, is, I don't know where you're from and you could have, there could be like, you know, one uh, concept or one structured meeting. It's, th- it's, this one's awesome. It's, it's a newcomer. Yeah, it's the uh, uh, newcomer's peace of mind meeting, um, 8.30 at the Masonic Temple in Wakefield on Sunday mornings. And how it works is you it's basically think of a circle of people, and they start with one person. And if you have less than a year, sobri- continuous sobriety, you're encouraged to share. Say hello, at least say your name, and try to get people to know you because I love it. We're not mind readers. And the more, you know, think of it this way, and this is what helped me. Because it's, it's so nerve-wracking. Who can't, Like, really, it, don't think of what you're saying. Like, just try and get stuff out. I mean, you have to be, you know, you want to try and get stuff out that you're sure 100 people can hear. But still, these people have heard a lot. So, I mean, if you killed somebody, <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> but if you, you know, cheated on a test or something, that's fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you got to raise your hand. You got to get it out. And this meeting encourages people to introduce themselves in a way where normally that wouldn't happen because it's so friggin' difficult, man. Right. When you're a newcomer, it's so right. tough. Oh, it's really hard. It's really hard. And, you know, now I try to stick my hand out and say hello to a newcomer whenever I see one, not because I feel like I've got some special authority that I have to bond with the newcomers, but because I know what it was like. I remember what it was like. And it just makes all the difference in the world. It does. It's awesome. Somebody. And the stuff that I have today, like the stuff that I had today, if you had asked me eight years ago, what do you need, Mark? I, I would have said that I, you know, I need to put the drink down. I wouldn't have said, I need the program of AA. I need to have all these friends. I, I can't even want them. Mm. And now that I have them, I can't imagine my life without them. And, you know, that's, that's like, what a gift. Mm. To have to to have a rich life, like 
every day people that I can laugh with and talk with and relate and, to. Yeah, just you know, and like half the time that I'm talking to any of them, I'm not even talking about sobriety or booze. I'm talking about life. Yeah, baseball or kids or yeah, yeah, I mean, just everything. You know? Speaking of kids, so we have kids similar in age. Your kids are a little bit older, but um. So I or I was sober a couple years before I told them that I was an addict, you know, addicted to alcohol, alcoholic, mm-hmm. which I want to talk about that word too. But uh, but I went to meetings and I would tell them that. So I was. They knew I was going to that meeting on Sunday morning, and at first they didn't. They didn't freaking care. <laughs> whatever. What's right. on TV, you know? But right. uh, okay, Dad's gone. Then I was like, Huh? Where's he going? Then it was like. All right, I'm going to this meeting that helps me be a better person, that helps me make good choices. Like, that's what came out of my mouth. And they're like, whatever, Dad, you know what I mean? (laughs) But it was like, um, it was literally like three and a half years into my sobriety where I told them this conversation just came up organically on Father's Day, believe it or not. We were talking, and I'm so grateful we can, this, this, program one has given me so much and you talk about but has given me the opportunity to be honest with my kids which i can talk about drugs i could talk about alcohol i could talk about sex i could now we talk about vaping mm-hmm. holy shit this right. is a whole new yeah. thing um and it came up and i was like i'm a, I'm, a, I'm an i'm an alcoholic i can't drink alcohol normally and mm-hmm. i kind of just you know a little conversation about that and then the the part about the meetings was totally organic. I was mm-hmm. going to AA meetings. This is what happens here. Did you have a similar situation? Like I found that's tough. Like I, it was tough for me for those first couple of years to go and to come home and to, I don't know. It was almost like I was hiding it a yeah. little bit. Right. Yeah. Can I you, my, you know, for me, um, my experience was a little bit different in that, um, you know, even though my kids are older, um, because I was traveling so much at the end of my real active stretch, um, I would, I would find a way to do most of my serious drinking away from the house. And so both my kids, um, and I've asked them this, but both my kids, um, swear that they've never seen me drink. Um, my kids are 23 and 20 years old and I haven't even been sober eight years. So that tells you a little bit about, you know, what kind of an alcoholic I was that, that they're convinced of that, which is fine. I don't need to convince them that they have, um, right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It doesn't need, there's not really much good that comes out of that. However, um, I, I don't, I don't recall ever sitting them down and saying, um, oh yeah, you know, your dad's an alcoholic and, uh, I go to meetings. Um, but, you know, me going to meetings is something that both of them, you know, remember and know and have known about for a long time. Um, and it's never been, I don't, you know, I know actually that, uh, you know, one of my, one of my son's friends or someone sort of a peripheral friend of his has struggled with some substance and, um, of course, odds yeah, are, man, yeah, right, right. right, of course. Um, and you know, my son has told me that he told this kid that if he ever needed to talk to anybody, he was sure that my dad would talk to him. Fantastic. And, um, and it's also opened up other doors where, where, I was able, so, you know, my son went through something when he first started going to, going to college. Of course, that's a tricky time in anybody's life. And, you know, I was able to say to him, you know, be careful because trying to gain social acceptance is part of what brought me to booze and drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like the story I told about my grandfather, like that connection, yeah. right? That instant connection. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just be careful of that. And, I don't know if it made an impact. I don't know if it's had an effect, but man, it was nice to be able to talk about that with him in an open and honest way and see his reaction. Like I just, you know, there are gifts and, you know, one other story that, that, so when I was going through the, through the steps, um, you know, I talked to my daughter about it. She actually asked me some questions. She was curious, you know, 
you've got this new meeting that you're going to. What is this all about? Oh, I'm working my way through the steps. And what does that mean? How does that work? And when I describe, you know, I described to her the whole, the whole thing. And when I told her about, you know, what happens between step four and step nine, she said to herself, like, I shouldn't say to herself, I mean, she said, sounds like something that anybody would benefit from. So true. And, um, you know, she's like, imagine if I could, if I made a list of all the people that, you know, I need to apologize to. And then I went out and did it. Like, why wouldn't that be good for anybody? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to encourage her to go do that. That's her decision. Um, I don't, I, I'm fortunate. I don't think that either of my kids, at least they haven't shown signs yet that they need to be here or in this program or that they're going to walk the path that I walked. But, I, I just I just think that today I get to have and I, and it's okay for me to have a little bit of pride that I'm that I'm a good dad today. Absolutely, yeah. that's awesome. And it beats the alternative, right? Uh, Having your kids be there and you booze and and drinking your paint thinner downstairs and right, crossing right, your right, fingers right, right, and hoping right, for the best. Right. Yeah, that's not that's not a good role model. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, in such a good yeah, spot. Yeah. Um. That word alcoholic, I freaking hate it, dude. <laughs> and I hated it from the beginning. I've I've said that before, and it's you know why? Because it's da- it is a damaged word. Yeah, well, it's got some stigma attached to it. It definitely has stigma attached to it, and it's um, I don't know. I just and it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, I think overall in the in the in society, I think there's starting to be some awareness and acceptance. Rather than, you know, if nothing good has come out of this opioid crisis, nothing good. There is no way that I would ever buy in, but some indirect benefit has been that I think there is a greater understanding that it is not weakness of character that gets the average person there. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that still, you know, there's there's someone out there active right now, and the people that love him and care about him or her are saying, why is he so weak? Why can't she just stay away? Are you kidding me? She got tight again, right? Right. But um, I, there, there has been an awareness that I think has been good, and I think it's been a good thing for, um, you know, taking some of that, uh, like it's okay to go seek treatment because to me, asking for help was the same thing as admitting I can't. And yeah, you know I can't is a sign of weakness. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The the of course the awareness has blown up. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday, and this is kind of a sick thought so this may get edited may not <laughs> but i did I, I looked it up and it's like so like sixty-eight thousand people are going to die of an overdose this year 40 ish thousand of a car wreck and like less than a thousand of a terrorist act mm-hmm. in the united states mm-hmm. but my kid knows the terrorist name who shot up that mosque yesterday right but we have no idea of the 300 people who died yesterday of overdose. Yep. yep. So that's a little disturbing. Like the balance is off, mm-hmm. the news, mm-hmm. and I fault the news for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just a thought that came yeah, to Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I've heard even more, you know, if you will, sobering thoughts on that, right? That, that um, if you take the top 10 causes of death in the U.S. And, you know, I think heart disease is number one. It is. And, you know, from Diabetes. there. Yeah, yeah. From there, you know, there's a list of diseases. And accidents huh. is on there. Suicide is on there. It sure is. Drugs and alcohol are on there. Mm. But if you take the true test of accidents, okay, how many are alcohol-related or drug-related? Suicides, how many are alcohol or addiction-related? And then you add them into that alcohol and drug related category, you know, where does that land? Is that, is that three? Is that two? Is it, you know, where, is it higher? And, you know, I, I don't, it's never going to go away, but 
it's progress, not perfection. Okay, and, I buy in that. All parts of our lives, and I, you know, I, I also just read, and you know, it's probably not good to to be talking about stuff like this without having the stats in front of you. But I also just read that while the total number of suicides in the world are up as a percentage of the population, they're down by thirty percent in the last ten years. Hmm. And they, they actually attribute that to two reasons. First off, mental more, awareness, yep. mental addiction, mental illness awareness. Yep. No doubt. Yep. And that and then so people are like feel feel okay about, hey, I'm having a mental illness, I can seek help. And then the second was just the availability of healthcare. That that you know, practitioners, uh, I know where to go to get service. I know where to go to get help. Uh, so that just that, that availability and the awareness and, you know, those are like, what a great thing. I don't think anybody planned that that would happen, that suicides would go down. But, um, to your point that, that like that research is real. That story doesn't get a lot of press doesn't get a lot of play um and that's that's good news yeah you know? but the bad news is is what people want what happened today what happened while i was asleep uh, i don't want to know that hey you know sixty-eight thousand people didn't die that's not news you know 49 people did die yeah that's news yeah so the um, fellowship, we talked about that. I, I, I'd like to put a bow on that because I was thinking about this. It's like when, and, and small groups. So the small group is like huge for me. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody, like your daughter said, you don't have to be an addict, alcoholic. Uh, you don't have to have an addiction to benefit from a small group because in small groups, people tend to get along. <laughs> People tend to get along in small groups. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And the people tend to get along in small groups, but then you add 325 million people. Right. And and something happens when you start adding people. Yeah, of course. So of course. the small group is um a a tool, a resource, a friggin' lifesaver if you can get yourself into one. Yeah. And and you know we're 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 fortunate, AJ, that we have this group that we're a part of, and you know, ten to twenty guys. I'm not sure exactly. I never bothered to count, but um, you know, it's great to have that, right? It didn't just happen. Slowly but surely, got pieced together. Um, but a bunch of guys that were sort of the catalyst for that, they started thinking about who else, right. who else, right? So. You know, if, if someone's listening to this and they say, well, I don't have that, my answer is you could. Stick your hand out. You say hello. You ask people where they're going. You ask people what their favorite meeting is. You ask, hey, how does that go? What is that, what is that like? You know, is it, is it open? Can I go? Oh, this is cool. So you're giving ideas to newcomers who are listening, things to say to people who are at the meeting. Who, yeah, th- yeah. Because that, that's I, like I'm a like AJ. I'm a, I'm a friendly guy. I could talk to anybody. I walk into an AA room for the first time, and I am counting ceiling tiles. I'm looking at the wall. I'm wondering how long. Why do they have the break? That's so stupid. That's 15 minutes. You know, I could have been out of here 15 minutes earlier if we didn't have the stupid break. Now I love the break. Right. Oh, I get to go talk to him. He's here. I haven't seen him in weeks. I'm going to go talk to him. Oh my God, she came today. Uh, you know, another thing, like I, can't, like, I can't believe this. I went, first time I went to an AA meeting was in North Reading because it was about, uh, you know, seven or eight miles away from my house, which was a pretty comfortable distance. So I wouldn't see someone I knew. Yeah. Which makes no sense. <laughs> no. It makes no sense. Like if I saw if I saw someone I knew, like isn't that a great thing? Yeah. Now yeah. it makes no. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Then it made total. When sense you're hurting, to it, yeah. yeah. And you know, being able to stick your hand out and say hello um, when you're looking at a room, it's daunting. When you're looking at one person that you can relate to or that seems like, hey, let me go say hi to him. Yeah. And I've never had somebody at an AA meeting that I've said hello to look at me and think, 
what the hell? Why is this guy saying hi to me? And and react in a violent or rejecting way. But still, every time I walk up and say hello, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God, is this going to be the time? It never happens. It's so true. You know, and maybe, maybe you'll have me back here in a couple of years and I'll say, oh, it happened one time. <laughs> but who cares? You know what? Who cares? Yeah. And all those people that, that you know, that watched out for me without watching out for me, all those people that reached out and said hello, I'm not best friends with all those people right some of them i am and my experience has been the same that you know some people i reach out to and i'll never talk to them again i talk to them at a meeting and i never see them again but some people i talk to them i say hello and years later they're still in my life whether it's a major part or a minor part it's just it's nice to have yeah and um that's, I mean, to me, that's the fellowship, right? Yeah. Yep. You have to, you have to, you can't, I mean, from my experience and I'll speak for you. I mean, I, I still haven't met anybody who said I'm doing it alone. I'm happy. I'm sober and I'm good. Right. <laughs> I just haven't had it yet. And right. I've said it before, you know, tell me if you are, because maybe I'll, maybe I'll explore that one. Right. Right. So we're done. I just we're almost done. So, so put a bow on like your prescription. Your you know what do you do like with daily bait? Like what does a day look like for you? Or do you not have a you know? I mean, yeah, you can I'm, answer I'm it pretty, if you want. I'm a pretty structured guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm an early riser. I have been my whole life. I I haven't used an alarm clock in like twenty years, uh, and I'm still up early. Like I'm embarrassed to even say how early, but I get up early and um Do you go to bed early? Yeah, I go to you know, I'm usually asleep by ten. Yeah. Good. Um you know That's good. weekends I might I might actually stay up to like eleven. I hear you. No, I was just talking to somebody at the uh at the meeting today who, you know, she doesn't have a ton of time and, and she was talking about how she feels bored. And um I I, I learned there is nothing wrong with being boring. When I was not boring, you know, quite often, what would happen is that people would be saying, did you hear what Mark did last night? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't need them having that, no, you know, like I, I don't know. need to create that anymore. But anyways, um, so, you know, I make it to, uh, um, I have three, you know, kind of meetings a week that I go to. Um, I have a, a meeting that I do on Tuesday nights with, um, you know, it's a rotating meeting that, um, we're, we're just going through the steps. And, um, so that's my fourth meeting and, uh, that's, um, that's been, I mean, unbelievable mm-hmm. we're on our, uh, third or fourth, uh, cycle of that. And, um, Nice. You know, it's funny because I've I've already had someone else ask me, "Hey, when does the next one start?" So, you know, we're working on kind of the transition from step 4 to step 5 right now. Okay. And I have somebody else already, "Hey, I want to be part of next time. the next time." Yep. And um, you know, who knows what happens, um, but but you know, that's something that, that I look forward to continuing to do and I I walk out of that feeling great every single time and um uh, you know, it makes me feel like I'm reliving the steps every time. And you know what? And the last time that I did, I thought of a few resentments that I didn't make it onto my list. And I dug a little deeper than I had the first time through. And, you know, it just continues to, it's just that work in progress all the time. A process. So, but, you know, talking to, uh, I'd say the biggest thing for me, meetings are incredibly important, but on the day to day, talking to another alcoholic no doubt and, um, um, you know I get into my office by around 6.30 quarter or 7 every morning and most mornings I've already talked to other people about awesome the time I get yeah. and, uh, them, them calling me me calling them yep. like you know it's just it's what it goes it's awesome it's good stuff man yeah I mean you know and I just want to say AJ but you doing this like it's just isn't it crazy how life works right like here you are running a podcast in your studio that you've set up. And, right. you know, if someone were to have said to you 10 years ago, I mean, hey, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to have this, this studio set up in your garage. You're going to have guest speakers and you're going to be doing it for the joy of 
helping others. Oh, that's the key. You would you would have been like, no, because I would have said, I'm gonna have the best studio, <laughs> the biggest one right, with the brightest right, lights. Right, right, right. And you would have pictured yourself air guitaring your way through, but here you are just shooting the breeze and uh, with just, drop gloss, <laughs> like Gary pointed out. It is so awesome. And congratulations on that, buddy. It's awesome. I love you, dude. I love you, brother. Um, I'm so glad you got to come in. We've talked about, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out uh, what's next. I have a couple, you know, ideas kicking around. I, I would love to get, you know, a couple boys in and just shoot the shit for like an hour. I think that would be so cool. And topics, you know, topics that are relatable to people who are listening. Yeah. That you know, we can help. We that that may help them. I would I would love to be a part of that, even if it's something that we did, uh, you know, a couple times a year or yeah. whatever. Like yeah. that would be great. That yeah, would be great. And, um, yeah, I mean, everything you said is right back at you, AJ. That uh, you're a big part of my sobriety, and uh, I love that you've always got a smile on that face of yours and uh, ready to laugh no matter what's going on. So, love you, brother, and thanks for having me on here. Awesome, great. Man. Thanks, Mikey. All right, that's it. Um, another podcast in the books, man. All right, so long. All right, Rob. Yeah, I hold it. Yeah, save that. Thing, right?